Welcome back to Foster.Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Chris, and I'm an education coordinator at Foster.Minnesota. And I'm Sunny, also an education coordinator here at FAM. Today's episode is Twas the Night Before Holiday Break. Chris, who do we have with us today? Hey, Sunny. We have two special guests who work in the school trenches. Please welcome Jessica and Christine. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Jessica and Christine, tell us a little bit about what you do. Jessica, you go first. Hi, my name is Jessica, and I work as a school-based therapist in elementary school. Um, Thanks for having me join you today. Um, I look forward to spending some time with you and sharing some insight as we prepare for the holiday season and break from school. I'm Christine. Uh, I'm a mental health practitioner, and I work at the same elementary school as Jessica. Um, I've been a practitioner for the last seven years at this school. And before that, I worked with youth teaching skills in the hospital setting. Great. Well, it's great to have you both with us today. So how do your school days start looking as closer we get to the holiday season? Yeah, I think, I mean, as we get closer to the holiday season, I mean, holidays tend to bring a lot of energies to the lives of our youth. Um, There's a lot of, obviously, special activities occurring for for kids, whether it's holiday performances or art activities that kind of correlate with our holiday season. Um, Kids are starting to see preparations get in place at home for celebrations, and people are starting to kind of talk about how they're going to spend their holidays. Um, So in the school, I mean, there tends to definitely be an increase in behaviors, um, higher higher levels of energy. Um, It's a time of year where not only is it the holiday season, but for some of the youth, it's a time of the year where academics may be starting to get a little bit more challenging for them. And then there's the excitement of of that beginning of the school year has worn off. um, And then the energy of, of the holidays and the anticipation of that. Yeah, I would agree completely with that. I feel like there is energy, not only in students, but also in staff as they're trying to prepare for their holiday breaks as well and work (laughs) and deal with the kids that have high energy. Um, I think it's harder for kids just to generally stay focused and follow directions that in the past they've had no problems with. It just feels like everything's a little bit harder during this time. Um, It's also harder for some of our students to handle and accept a lot of the transitions that will be happening throughout the days that they normally wouldn't have in their schedule. Um, So, you know, we a lot of times will have adaptations that need to be made during this time period. Maybe if it's, uh, we're going to be at music concerts, we need to have some headphones available or some alternative seating options or some fidgets, just kind of things like that to help them make it through this time of the school year. Oh, those are great suggestions. Thank you. So from your observations, can you share the biggest concerns or worries that youth are feeling or exhibiting before break? Yeah, so I think I can kind of start with that. I mean, some of the behaviors, I mean, again, as Christina kind of mentioned, I mean, and concerns, I think that that youth and families and teachers um, have are kind of some of those emotional outbursts that kids can struggle with. We might start seeing some increased irritability, um, difficulties with their sleeping, um, struggles just in school. Um, there might be some increased defiance that's happening during this time too, um, struggling with kind of some of that impulse control and as a result impacting their relationships and interactions with their peers. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, something that I hear when I'm working with students one-on-one -on -one is ultimately, what, what am I going to get? Am I going to get that one thing that I really, really want? So they might hyper-focus on that. Um, but then they also do worry about what can I give? I don't have money. I don't have a budget per se. Um, so what could I give to my family that has value to them as they give it, trying to teach? Maybe uh, a thoughtful gift is really more what they would like to give someone versus how much money it costs them. Um, so those are some worries that I see at school. Um, they also worry about, um, you know, when we're on vacation, we're going to be going on a plane. This is the first time maybe they've been on a plane. They don't really know what to expect or I'm not sleeping in my bed. How is this going to work? Um, that can bring up a lot of a lot of additional worries too for kids. And I think that that's a good place too, in terms of those worries, Christine, just thinking about kind of some of our kids, I mean, our safe, their safe space can be the school sometimes because it's very predictable. Um, they know what to expect. Um, and there's that consistency and that structure that's there that sometimes when they're at home um, is, is different um, and can be variable. And, and sometimes some of our kids are worrying about kind of even some of those those basic needs of what am I going to eat? Am I going to have enough food? Um, yeah, Absolutely. Some the, yeah, some of the youth we work with too might, it might be their first time in that home mm -hmm. for the holidays too. Mm -hmm. So there's, so there's unpredictability. Yeah, there's still that additional layer. Right. And I think, I mean, it's a time of year too. I mean, for a lot of kids, I mean, it's it's an exciting time of year. So there's a lot of excitement about, about those festivities and the time with family and friends. But for kids who, again, it's maybe their first time in a home, it's it's a lot of unknown and worry and, and anticipation and anxiety about well, what is this going to look like for me when I don't know or it's different than what I've known. Right. And and the actual trip, maybe the trip isn't for the whole holiday break. So the trip might be OK. It's the now we're back at home and mom and dad got to go to work, but I still have X amount of days off school. So what does that look like? Is older sister or brother going to be watching me during the day? What are, what am I going to do? And just how am I going to fill my time? Those kind of things. And I think, I mean, the other thing that kind of popped up for me too, um, thinking, you know, kind of referencing to what you had said, Christine, too, is just to I mean those gifts, there's anticipation about what we're going to give and get, but then also, um, kind of that sadness sometimes of if they're disappointed in their gifts or that sadness also sometimes of being away from some of those teachers or caregivers that have been maybe more present in their life than maybe a new foster home or a new adoptive family. Just that yeah, a distance there can be, be challenging. And that, that loss of if they're not with their, um, their birth families. So do some foster children worry about not getting gifts at all? I think from what I've seen, I mean, I think that they know that they're going to get gifts. Um, but I think that I've heard sometimes too of just worry of maybe not them not their family not knowing them well enough to get things maybe that they would their most anticipated gift or <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, switching gears a little bit, uh mental health does not take a break. So how can parents and youth stay on track when their schedule is off track? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a that's a great point. I mean, mental health doesn't take a break, just like our physical health doesn't take a break. Um, and knowing, right, that kids and adults continue to need that support. 
you know, one of the, the first things that I, you know, always think about when I'm thinking about those mental health supports and those needs is, you know, making sure that, you know, they're continuing to take medication as prescribed, continuing to attend appointments as, as scheduled, um, which may be a little, a little different over the holiday breaks, um, but making sure that kids are getting adequate rest and physical activity um, to support those uh, mental health needs. Um, that sleep, we know that sleep is a huge piece um, for kids' mental health, for adults' mental health, um, making sure that they're um, that kids are, are getting adequate sleep and then making sure that they have those trusted adults who they can, they can turn to and they can seek support to, um, are some, you know, really important pieces. Um, Christine, I'm sure that you have some great kind of skills. Yeah. Ideas. When I, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking of skills that, you know, we can use while we're on break and we don't necessarily need somebody to walk us step-by-step how to how to use this skill but mindful moments pops into he- my head just because it is such a simple skill that can be practiced in so many ways so taking time several times throughout the day to have a mindful moment to reset the brain to reset the body um it could be something as simple as breaking out the coloring book and coloring a picture It could be taking a couple of deep breaths and doing some of the breathing exercises. Um, It could be singing and dancing to a song on the radio. It could be, um, you know, taking a couple minutes to do a word puzzle or um, a hidden images picture. Um, It could be doing a journal for some of the older kids and You know, it could just be like, this is what I did today, or this is what we're planning on doing so that they're even kind of reiterating what the plan is in their mind um, for that day. Um, Physical exercise is a biggie just because they're, they're at home. And typically if the weather is cold, they might not be getting outside as much as they would be during the summer. So um, just some of those kind of mental mini breaks throughout the day. Um, And also keeping, trying as much as possible, keeping a a regular meal schedule. And um, I just can't reiterate how much, uh, bedtime and sleep schedules play a big part you know yes we're on vacation so maybe we're not going to bed quite as early but maybe we shouldn't be up until we just absolutely pass out because we're tired (laughs) (laughs) it's a really good reminder for adults too because i don't think adults really think about these things as as they should yes well yeah thank you for that i appreciate how you included all ages, the youngers, the younger children, as well as the teens. So those mm-hmm. are great tips. Um, and speaking of tips, what kinds of tips do you have for a family to maintain some consistency with busy holiday plans? You had already mentioned the sleep schedule, but do you have other tidbits as well? Yeah. So I think, I mean, kind of, I, I, I kind of sticking to a similar schedule. I mean, again, whether it's meals, physical activity, bedtime, sleep schedules, I mean, kind of having um, kind of a, a schedule that that we stick to. Again, it doesn't need to be super rigid, but that kind of kids know what to expect is always um, is always a good thing. Um, again, during holiday breaks, I mean, things are different. Um, things are a little bit more fluid, maybe with travels, with activities, with parents having to be at work. Um, so I think, I mean, another tip is, I mean, really having 
um, pre-teaching with kids, um, you know, young youth, older youth too, of what the expectations are, what to expect when we're going to an unfamiliar home, um, what the sleeping arrangements might be if we're staying, you know, at, you know, a friend's house, an aunt's house, a grandparent's house, just so that um, kids are are aware of that. Um, I think reassuring too, I think about meals too for kids, for some of our kids, I mean, meals, um, families are accommodating to what the, the meal needs are of the kids. And when they're going to an extended family member's home, they might not be as sensitive to that. So just, I mean, reassuring kids too, that meal meals may be different, but that they will have adequate meals, um, that they will make sure that there's foods that they, that they like and that they can eat. Um, but also pre-teaching about expectations in of behaviors in the home. Um, behaviors at my house might be more tolerable than if you go to grandma and grandpa's house. <laughs> um, and just for kids to, to kind of be aware of that. Um, you know, one of the things I think about too is, I mean, again, vehicle rides, flights, travel, however families are getting to their destinations of, you know, making sure that we're bringing things with to occupy time, whether it's, again, books, word finds, audiobooks, gaming systems that are um, appropriate. Um, and when they're at, you know, unfamiliar or new homes, um, just having you know, those comfort items with them, I think, especially with our younger kids um, and some of our older kids too. I mean, it's going to be a different comfort item, but some of, some of our younger kids, you know, might want to make sure that they have that that special stuffed animal with them, that they have that blanket with them, they have their favorite book with them um, that brings them comfort. Um, the other thing, you know, that I, I feel is a really important thing, especially going into the holidays and thinking about maybe we're going to be spending time with people that we don't typically spend time with is... Um, for caregivers to be clear about kind of understanding that kids can set those boundaries for themselves too. Grandma and grandpa may not have seen them in nine months and want to come in and give them a hug and a kiss. And that may, may feel very uncomfortable for the kids and for families to be able to, to support and honor that with kids and, and respect that physical contact. And maybe they don't want to hug or a kiss, but they'll give them a high five or they'll give them a knuckles or um, they'll wave or, um, but just making sure that kids are really feeling like their boundaries are being respected as well. Yeah, I I pretty much you took all my answers away. No. <laughs> Sorry, Tristan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I would just totally support everything you said. Um, one thing that a lot of the younger kids, when they are in school, they all have picture schedules or schedules that are up on the in the front of the classroom. And maybe if if it's available or appropriate to do something like that so that kids know, maybe not time wise, like from eight to eight fifty, we're doing this, but have a morning a noon ish and evening so that they know kind of like what events are happening that day, maybe try to talk about it the night before. So they have some time to kind of process, especially if it's going to be uh, something new, new situation somewhere. They're not, you know, they haven't been before. Um, I was also thinking too, about like, if they are going to a new place that maybe before the trip, before we get to that holiday break, they can, Google, where are they going? Where is it on the map? What does the town look like? Is it big? Is it small? Is it what's the weather? Um, you know, just try to find some fun facts that kind of maybe will pique their interest where it has them looking forward to something for the trip. Um, uh, again, small comfort items, that's so important to, to pack. Um, 
in my mind also I was thinking a nightlight stuffed animals and all of that but to maybe a nightlight for somebody who's not necessarily afraid of the dark but when it's dark and you're not comfortable about the layout of where things are that can help help if uh, a potty break or something is needed in the middle of the night um if they're gonna be stuck in the car I was thinking coloring books, but also when you said audio books, there are quite a few uh, pretty cool audio dramas. And we listen to that when our family is traveling for hours on end, because the whole family can listen to it and kind of get wrapped into that story. And that's kind of a really unique experience. Well, and I, I love how you suggested Googling where they're going to go and kind of preparing like it's going to be this many hours and this is you know so and so is how you know it's just kind of a cool cool idea yeah and I like too how you both um mentioned like preparing the person hosting the party or gathering or whatever like getting them prepared that if they don't like mashed potatoes it's not a big deal just don't make them eat mashed potatoes you know things like that <laughs> right <laughs> try to make everyone comfortable yeah <laughs> so very cool. So what do you see when they come back to school and how long does it usually take um, before getting back into that school routine? <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh a little bit because I mean, returning to school, I mean, that's also a time of excitement because kids want to share about their holiday break and what they did and who they spent time with and what they may have gotten and um, and all of that. And I think, I mean, it's, it's very variable for each student, I feel like, um, to kind of settle back into that routine. Um, Typically, I would say, I mean, kind of within that week, I mean, kids are back to their normal routine, kind of their sleep schedule, their school schedule, um, kind of like the start of the, the the school year, too. I mean, there's a there's a lot of excitement coming into that um, and kind of settling back into to what they had been doing before the break. For sure. And again, it's also staff that's excited coming back. You know, they <laughs> want to share what they did, too. <laughs> um I, I would agree. It's probably a, a one to two weeks, I think, of transitioning back into the here's what is expected every single day, you know, but they're just it's a it's an excitement. But then I think also they're they're ready to come back to school because they're ready, I think, for that consistency again. Um, and they're excited to see their peers and, you know, their teachers. So it, it's uh, it's a good it's a good transition. <laughs> Well, what can parents put in your stocking or under your tree to make your lives easier? Um, like, do you have any resources that you commend to parents? You know, I think, I mean, one of the things I always think about with gifts too and, and with the holidays is I always feel like, I mean, some of those more expensive gifts, I mean, parents should really be honoring and giving because um, I think sometimes they come from um, fictitious place. <laughs> And I just feel like, I mean, sometimes, I mean, parents should really kind of honor, honor that. Um, and also, I mean, in terms of kind of making, I would say, I mean, our lives easier, teachers' lives easier um, is, I mean, that, that understanding and that kindness too, and, and teaching kids to have that kindness that, that everyone gets gifts, but it's not always going to be, you know, not everyone's going to get a brand new iPad. Um, everyone's not always going to, um, they're not always going to get the, the same equal cost of things because I think kids tend to tend to compare that. Um, so just being mindful of of that, I think, is always an important piece as, as a gift giver. I would agree with that. Um, 
you know, the thing that is so neat about working at an elementary school is that um, I, I get to work with these kids and we talk about giving and, and receiving and how they can make a small craft, a, something that they can make themselves. And then, you know, we get it wrapped up. They decide who they're going to give it to. And they are just so excited to give that away. And that is just so awesome to see um, and just really try to always reinforce that feeling for them that that it's really where it's coming from as a child, you know, that's going to make their parents or grandparents or whoever their special person is that they want to give a gift to. That's going to make it for them. Um, preparation, again, we keep saying it over and over, but prep, 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 try to think out the different scenarios that maybe could happen, probably will happen, <laughs> um, okay. you know, so that you have that plan B. And so it'll just make things go smoother for sure. Um, and then, um, Jessica, I, I think you would agree with this one that laughter is the best medicine, right? So we absolutely, have to, this is supposed to be a joyous time. So we have to let ourselves relax a little bit as parents and caregivers and um, just enjoy it too. Even if it's not exactly how we had planned it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, that planning ahead, I mean, I, I kind of had jotted that down too, just for myself. It's just kind of planning ahead. I mean, whether again, it's with meals or sleep schedules, because again, it's going to be different, even noise levels, I mean, being prepared that it may be louder at this event that we're going to, or it might be um, louder at, at this home that we're at because there's so many more people um, and just being, being planful and mindful of that. Um, and I think, I mean, also, I mean, allowing, I mean, this isn't necessarily part of the gifts, but I mean, in terms of kind of ideas too, of, of just, I mean, being able to honor and create a place for kids just to express themselves in a safe way. I mean, whether it's that they just need a quiet space and they need to go do Legos for a little bit, or they just need a quiet space and they just need to go read for a little bit, being able to, to honor that for kids, um, you know, setting those clear expectations, but also examples. Um, you know, I think it's, it's fair that sometimes that as adults, um, these situations can be overwhelming for us, but being willing to own that and model that for kids is going to be an important um, piece. Um, again, being as proactive as we, as we can, um, try and act instead of reacting to situations. Ooh, good one. Um, just because I think we might be able to see them coming. And if we can be more proactive, that's better. Um, and I think there's times too, I mean, that, 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 that we pick our battles. There's a battle that we pick and a battle that just doesn't need to be picked at this moment. Um, that that can just be, and again, I think you're exactly right. I have one of the thing is, is try to use humor. Um, sometimes that's enough to lighten the mood to just shift it so that we can kind of reset. Humor is a yep. good, cheap, easy present. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> and Christine, I know with you working with Jessica, you know how important her lists are and checking off the lists and stuff. So <laughs> she's got to be prepared. And if you took away her list, you might have some tantrums <laughs> and such. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was kind of the theme here is just preparation for everyone. Okay. Yeah, for well, thank sure. you. Thank you both for your wonderful ideas. And uh it's such a pleasure and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank yeah. Thanks everyone. And I want to let our audience know that Foster Minnesota has a program called Help that offers a warm line to resources 
for adoptive, foster, and kinship families, including a network of adoption-competent, trauma-informed therapists statewide. Go to our website, fosteradoptmn.org, and click on Help. Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast. And tune in again soon.